I'm Heidi Harris. Welcome to the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do this three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can subscribe at iTunes for free. You can also check my podcasts out at HeidiHarris.com, and I post them on Twitter, Heidi Harris Show, Facebook, Heidi Harris Show. You can also catch my live broadcast weekdays, 9 to 10 a.m. on 670 a.m. KMZQ in Las Vegas. So you can't get away from me even if you want to. On today's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about men. What has happened to men? Honestly, you don't see men at church anymore. Lord knows a man can't fix anything anymore. Most of these actors in Hollywood that are supposed to be the manly men or, the, you know, the Johnny Depp, Brad Pitt, scrawny-looking dudes. Whatever happened to the guys like Burt Lancaster? Yes, I know he was before my time, but you know what I'm talking about. It's hard to find a masculine man anywhere. The TV commercials always make men look like idiots. The women are always the smart ones. The men are always the stupid ones. But the toughest thing is that for the men who actually want to be real men, they don't know how to behave anymore. You've got feminists out there talking about toxic masculinity. And if a man so much as holds a door for a woman, he's smacked down. Men don't know how to act anymore. And really, it starts in the church. Joining me today is Pastor Kenny Luck. He's the founder of Everyman Ministries, a former pastor at Saddleback Church, the author of 23 books, including a brand new one called Dangerous Good. Pastor Luck, welcome. Glad to have you. Uh, Heidi, I, I can't even tell you how excited I am to be on your show because you're the only woman that I've ever known that has used a passage from Hebrews about not shrinking back that I know of. You know what, Pastor? It's pretty sad, isn't it? Because I'm no spiritual giant, but the idea that everybody is so willing to compromise and back up and, oh, I'm so sorry you're offended. And this is what's killing our culture. When I go out and speak to people, I say, listen, what's killing us is not them coming toward us, whoever they may be, different groups, whatever. That's what's right. killing us is we're backing up. We're not holding our six feet of ground. No, I, I agree. And, you know, it, it's not so much what it says about, um, you know, us. But what it says about our faith and about our God, too, that, that we shrink back, what does that say about Him when we have Him behind us and we have a very simple charge to love Him and love others aggressively? And He says, you do that, you're unstoppable. That is so true, and I see so many people who are willing to compromise because they're, wait for it, afraid to lose their job or something like that. Right. And I, I'm not. I've been through it. You know. You know my history. And it, it's just ridiculous because if we believe in a God who's bigger than all of us, why would you ever worry about whether or not you're going to lose your job? That's right. That's right. Well, you know, and we look, you know, and I know that there's a lot of people who listen to your podcast who are people of faith and, and those who don't, but when you look at Christ, and how he just lived out his truest identity. Here we look at a guy, and man, he broke the rules when compassion and God's Word required it. He was fearless. He was free. He, he knew where he was going. He, he knew that uh, he came from God. He was going back to God. And when I look at you and I see your stuff, I think you have a very good sense of that. You know why you're here. You know where you came from. You know where you're going. And now time is limited, and we've got to get at it. We do. We're speaking with Pastor Kenny Luck. You know what's so important to me is you see men attacked everywhere in the media. Every time you see a commercial, they're trashing men. The man is always the stupid right. one. You know, you see this culturally. I mean, this started when I was a kid. I remember the TV show Maud when I was a little kid. She was always denigrating her husband. Oh, yeah. And, of course, I didn't get it because I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I didn't understand how she was denigrating him. And we all kind of grew up watching that. That's how you treat your husbands. And so everywhere men go, they're being beat down and they're being falsely accused of things. And if they act too masculine, somebody's offended 
needed. And so that's part right. of what you've been doing with your ministry, this everyman ministry, is just to try to encourage men to be real men. Absolutely. Here's the problem when culture attacks male strength, which they're experiencing but they don't acknowledge, is that when you seek to control or create men who are compassionate and nice and they have no way to express their, their strength, a couple of things happen. First, if they don't have a healthy way to express their strength, like as a man, they'll find unhealthy ways to validate themselves. Yes. They're actually exacerbating the problem. I mean, you think the workaholism, you think porn, you think over-recreating and, and all the unhealthy ways that men try to get strength in their lives. So the issue isn't strength that the activists are upset about. The issue is strength without character and compassion. Yeah, that's that true. they're reacting to. And so what we need is a movement of men who are both strong and compassionate. And I know a guy who was like that, and you, you know him too. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You know, I was thinking about what you were... Yeah, absolutely. No question. Now, let's go back for a second because I want, don't want to gloss over something you said. It got me thinking when you were talking about how if men can't handle things in an, a healthy way, they're going to handle things in an unhealthy way. You know, back when I was a kid, there would be the occasional squabble in the street or boys beating each right. other up on the playground, that kind of stuff. They got over it fast, but they did it. Nowadays, nobody's allowed to do that and they just come back and shoot up the school oh my goodness that's so that's so insightful you're exactly right what you have there's a book written by a guy named dr philip zimbardo out of stanford it's called the demise of guys and he talks about the very dynamic that you speak of where there's not a, a healthy avenue uh to express strength so then it retreats back into the darkness and it boils and percolates and then it just gets all pent up and you're right, it comes out in the most unhealthy, and many times, you look at the mass shootings, they're all dudes. Yeah, absolutely. They're all men. <laughs> it's, not, it's not women shooting up schools or, or, or doing that stuff. It's men. And so we have to go back to, okay, what makes a good man? And you go back to the family, and you go back to fathers, and you go back to the healthy family unit. And the problem with doing that is that when you go to especially major metro urban centers and you start doing the sociology and if you raise that issue that hey 80 percent of your young men are fatherless now you get the backlash and you get shamed and shouted out why because people don't want to take responsibility that is absolute forming, forming children. Yes, that is so true. We're speaking with Pastor Kenny Luck. That is so true, Pastor, because I remember posting something online before I had my big incident where I said that two gay people aren't as good to raise a child as a mom and a dad, and it was a big controversy. But before that, I had been very clear to point out that kids, women shouldn't be having children without a father intentionally, and there are women That's who right. do this, right? I had a woman say to me on my Facebook page, well, kids don't need a dad. How dare you oh my how dare wow. you how dare you make that decision for your child and to your point the fact that you screwed up your life and you had kids with the wrong person and all that kind of stuff nobody's picking on you about that but don't deny the reality that in an ideal situation a kid would get a mom and a dad no doubt you know your what your your detractor fails to recognize are the statistics that father deprivation is the most reliable predictor of criminal activity, Heidi, more than race, more than environment, more than poverty. Wow. Father deprivation. Doesn't have a father in his life. That's why I tell the story in Dangerous Good of this kid in Oklahoma. He just goes for a job. He's 24. He's engaged. He's visiting his girlfriend in Duncan, Oklahoma. 
and he makes the mistake of driving by a home full of fatherless boys who see him run by, and they say, hey, think it would be a good idea if we killed somebody? And then all of a sudden, the group think takes over, and then they all pile in a car, they track this kid down, they shoot him in the back, and they drive away. And then the police interview the kid, and it, it was like, well, we wanted to have some fun, so we saw him run by, and we shot him. And it was like, okay, like building a roast beef sandwich. I was hungry, so I ate. That's called a moral vacuum. Those boys were fatherless. Those boys were bored. Those boys were unmentored. There were no models for all of those boys. So it's more than just a lazy summer and boys being boys. Uh, the, the criminal connection and violent connection to fatherlessness is unequivocal. Yeah, and I don't want to get too political or drag you into a political conversation because that's not what we're talking about here. But I've had two conversations with people on the left in the last couple of months. One is a, a lefty guy, black guy who writes about cultural issues. And the other one was somebody who works for a Christian organization that's a little bit on the liberal side. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter who either one of them are. But neither one of them, when we had these long conversations about various things, neither one of them would acknowledge the pain that it causes children to not have fathers and that poverty is caused primarily by yes. illegitimacy. Correct. And when you won't even talk about that, you won't even acknowledge that. I'm not saying that we're no. going to agree on every point, but when you refuse That's to right. acknowledge that, then we're, we're done here. We can't have a conversation because you were ignoring something that's so basic. Oh, no. it's um, Well, listen, one of my best friends, pastor friends, is Dr. Frank Reed. He's the pastor of one of the largest AME churches in the country, Bethel AME in Baltimore, Maryland. And he said, Kenny, I read your book. You need to come to Baltimore. You need to help me. This is the issue. Why? Because he uses common sense and he's not afraid of the facts that, you know, 72% of all teenage murders, fatherless. 70% of all kids incarcerated, fatherless. 60% of all rapists, fatherless. And on and on and on and on. And here is a guy who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King. I walked into his office. He's got the picture on the wall. There he is. He's a leader in the community. He's going, Baltimore needs dads. Ask the police who walk the streets. You say, hey, if you could wave your wand, what could you, what would you possibly do? And, and, and inevitably, they'll start talking about the family. And one police officer I talked to said, we need dads. Yeah, that's that absolutely true. The most. And, and Ask them. It, Right, that's true, they're, because they're the ones dealing with these folks every single Correct. day, these kids, and they see what fathers, the difference fathers would make. And I know you've seen the story of that nature preserve in Africa where they had taken the the mother elephants and the babies and put them in a different area, and they couldn't bring the bulls because the bulls right. were heavier. Remember that story? And then all of a sudden, yeah. they started seeing animals stop to death, and that was not normal elephant behavior. And they realized it was because all these young elephants were now juvenile delinquents with no fathers around to straighten them out. Yeah. And when they right. imported a few bull elephants, the bulls got them right back into shape. So All the order. Exactly. So if you've got bull elephants who can get these kids in shape, imagine how much more complicated people are and the fact that uh, people need dads. And it's such a tough thing, too, because when you look at churches it and is. you look at how many men aren't going to church, part of it's because they're right. not getting a positive message. So talk a little bit about that. I know you talk about that in your book, but talk a little bit about what, what, what we need to do to bring men back to church. Right. Well, you know what? It's um, a, a lot of times, you know, especially if you got some, some, some guys listening right now or even some pastors or just some people who are concerned about suffering in the community. In my church, what I say to every new membership class is I say unequivocally and unapologetically, the best gift that we can give our community is emotionally mature, spiritually strong, and relationally committed men. You should see the look 
in the women's eyes. They're like, hallelujah. But what you need to do, you have to recognize that guys, even though their image, they might be winning the battle of images, they're losing the battles of life in their marriage, in their family, in their temptations, in their moral life. And so it's easy to offer some of these helps for men like we do here. You know, at my church, we offer a class on marriage for guys, family for guys, temptation for guys, friendship for guys. We call them our get healthy classes, you know, and guys, there's, there's 150 guys every Tuesday night. That's great. That on is a phenomenal. On basis every week. No, this is year round. That's amazing. Every week of the year, except for maybe three, the parking lot is packed. Why? Because of the pain. Unresolved relational and emotional pain is there. And my Bible says, hungry, feed, naked, clothe. Guys are like, help me. Mm-hmm. So it's not hard because after purpose, the biggest resonator for change is personal pain. And we have the answer. You know, one of the things also that I wanted to mention, and I know you see this a lot. I've noticed this with women, and I'm sure you see it with men. A lot of people who didn't have good fathers sometimes have yeah. trouble accepting a loving God as their father because the, the right. one the one who's supposed to love them on earth didn't. And then they're always skeptical, right. always suspicious of a loving yes. God. And I'm sure you see that with men who didn't have a father figure. And then all of a sudden you want me to trust That's this right. guy, God, who, Jesus, God, what? Right, right. No, that was me. I would say I call those people they have they have orphan spirits or they're they have a father wound and there are tens of millions of us out there. You know, my dad was a ghost. He was he was an he was an alcoholic when I had when he came through the door I had to read his face to see if it was red wow. or whether it was white. And so I didn't know what was up. No time, no talk, no touch. And so when you don't get that acceptance in your first community of acceptance, you go seek acceptance in second communities that right. the world and culture out there is ready to offer you to get the crumbs of acceptance, but usually you have to do things to belong to those second communities of acceptance. So we have a lot of listeners out there who are just just like me, and um, before I was a pastor, I was a mental health professional, so I would work with people and just say, hey, tell me a little bit about your dad, and they would either cry or get really mad or really happy. they wow. cry because he was missing. They'd be really mad because they're pissed because they feel gypped or they're like, oh, my dad was great. And so, but there's a lot of us in that first and second category. And that's why God, the best thing about Jesus is that he offers his dad to us. The same dad that said to him, this is my son whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. He gives us strong names, children of God, strong love, strong blessing. And I didn't discover that until I was 18 years old, after I had went through trying all the other ways to be accepted and loved and hurt so many people. And that's why you and I are so passionate about introducing people to Jesus, because we experience that acceptance without performance, that grace. Mm, That is so true. that love and that direction. So yeah, it's a, it's a big issue, and everywhere I go, I talk about that. Heidi, sometimes when I make the call, if that's you, if you're if you got no time, no talk, no touch from your dad, and you're ready to start a relationship with God, I want you to raise your hand, stand up right now. Three quarters of the room. Wow, that's incredible. Crazy. I got to tell you something that happened about a year ago. I was a potential juror, and it turned out once we all got into the jury room, the judge announced, well, this is going to be a child molestation case, just so you know. If if anybody has to say anything to me, you know, raise your hand. In other words, to be, you know, recused for whatever reason. 
I'm going to tell you something, Pastor Luck. Fully, at least half to two-thirds of the room wow. raised their hands. Wow. And, and we don't know, but yeah, most of them, many of them went to the bench. They couldn't, they wouldn't say it in open court. But I was horrified by how many people had personally right. been touched either. Maybe it happened to them. Maybe it happened to a family yes. member. And I, I, I wanted to cry. Yes. I got lucky. That never happened to yes, me. But I, I wanted to cry for those people. I was heartbroken yes. about it. And, and a little bit later, because yes. I happened to know the judge. She was a friend. And I saw her later on. And I was not on the jury, of course. But later yes. on. We talked and she said, yes, when it's a child molestation case, I always have to allow oh for gosh. so much more time for jury selection. So she goes through this all the time. I mean, this goes on in every courtroom in America and it goes back to the fact that there either aren't fathers or aren't good fathers right. in the home and stepfathers right. and boyfriends molesting the kids and whatnot. And it's That's a big right. mess. And it just, it, right. it breaks my heart because the disintegration of the family, what's happening in our society, that can't be fixed by adding more judges, adding more courtrooms, no. adding more prison space. You're not going to fix no. it that way no that's the outside in approach and what i always say is that problem problems seldom exist at the level at which you see them but the way politicians react and the way pundits react is they they react from the outside in we need better education we need more after school funding right we need more prevention programs we got to do more anger management programs more taxes better <laughs> prison systems and, and so forth and and you know they're dealing with the, they're trying to raise awareness and rescue victims and reintegrate people, but not dealing with the root, which is the human heart. Right. And that's so tough. So talk a little bit more about your brand new book. It's called Dangerous Good, yeah. The Coming Revolution of Men Who Care. What are you trying yeah. to encourage in men with this book? Well, you know what, Heidi? It's really simple. Instead of the dangerous men we're talking about right now, who are self-indulgent and self-protective and trying to be self-important, we're talking about a movement of men who are dangerous with goodness in the likeness of Christ. Now, whether you're a believer or not a believer, Christ's likeness is a good thing. Here's a guy who changed masculinity in his own time. It, you know, I people don't know this about the culture that Jesus walked into, but he walked into a broken male culture that said, "Thank God I'm not a woman. Thank God I'm not a kid, and thank God I'm not one of those Gentiles." And what does he proceed to do? He proceeds to defend and protect women. He recognizes and raises the value of children. And he doesn't pre-qualify people on the basis of their ethnicity. And he starts breaking and disrupting all the rules. And so dangerous good is a really simple call for, for men to be for others. And our model is Christ. And to create fellowships all around through our churches of men who are who are great at doing one thing at loving god and loving people in these disruptive ways and right now in the context of hashtag me too and toxic masculinity and all that um we don't have to stay invisible guys we can be very visible and we do what the bible calls shine the light of christ yeah. by being dangerous with goodness like I jesus was and so that's the premise of the book and we're forming fellowships across the country and cities across the country. We're getting partners uh, for these men who join this movement to do good with in their cities and communities. And so I'm, I'm really excited about the book getting out there. I want to talk about, too, briefly, because I don't want to gloss over that, too, that you said about toxic masculinity. You see a lot of chatter about that. And I would say also, generally, when I see women talking about they're often lesbians 
They're uh, almost always man haters. Yeah. They didn't have right. a good father in the home. So here we yeah. go. We've got women who didn't have good fathers, so they never met a decent right. man they could trust. Now they're anti-men. Right. So correct. the cycle continues. So they're anti-men. They're That's making correct. you feel guilty for being a man, and on it goes. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, the issue with that is they're not solving anything. But that's why I wrote Dangerous Good. You know, men doing unequivocal good, men giving life, men blessing families, wives, children, and their community, making suffering go down, all right, that's unequivocal good. Now, even that will be attacked. I'm not a fool. I know that it'll get labeled something or it'll be connected to some back alley abortion issue or or something like that. But I'm not I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on our listeners right now who listen to your program, the men especially, forming fellowships, getting in God, getting around his purposes, getting healthy, getting strong, and getting going out into their community to bring life and to bring help, just like Jesus did, just like his early followers did. You know what Heidi is so funny? I read the birth of the church in Acts four and it says, wow, what are we going to do with these guys? The whole city knows what they're doing. <laughs> right. And the, and the church goes from, 300, goes from 300 people to 100,000 people in a year because that was a witness to the community of God's love and God's power. And that's what it's all about, having an actual effect on society. Pastor Luck, where can people find more information about your ministry and how they can get involved and how they can feel a little bit stronger spiritually? Yeah, easy. Just go to everymanministries.com. It's all there. Pastor Luck, what a privilege it's been for me to speak with you. I love what you're doing. Wow. You too, Heidi. Thank, God bless. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm tired of men being beat up and treated like, well, I don't know, women. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. Join me for the Heidi Harris Show weekdays, 9 to 10 a.m., live from Las Vegas on 670 a.m. KMZQ. You can subscribe to this podcast at Heidi Harris Show on iTunes. And of course, pick up a copy of my brand new book. It's called Don't Pat Me on the Head. You can get that at Amazon or also at HeidiHarris.com. Until we meet again, remember, male or female, man or woman, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.